Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4? Proverbs 4, that's found on page 672 of your Pew Bibles. As you're turning there, I'll lay out a little bit of what we're going to do and how we're going to approach this chapter. This, this Sunday morning, I hope to look at this, this chapter in more of a general way and, and pull out from it the, the general principles that are required for gaining wisdom. So we're going to attack this chapter in that way first to, to sort of see as the father is, is telling the son to gain wisdom that there's these principles upon which you would find wisdom. How, how would you gain this wisdom? And then next Sunday, Lord willing, we will look more in depth at the verses themselves and especially verses 20 through 27 of this chapter. This in many ways is a... a text that's tailor-made for the youth, not certainly meaning that any one of us shouldn't glean the truths here, but I want to say that as well for you young people before we even read this text, that, that it's presented, God is presenting this truth to his people in the way of a father to a son. And you could take that as, as children, as young people, the, the, the message you would hear from your spiritual father or, and as well your earthly parents who would be giving you this message that you would receive it. So in a, in a unique way, this message is for you, young people, that you would listen to these words. And in God's providence, this whole Sunday will sort of be a message for you, even as this evening we will look at the fifth commandment and how we are to honor authority and honor parents. And so I want to put that before us even before we begin, that this is a word God would have you know, you in your youth, to know. Before we read, let's ask God's blessing in prayer. Father, we ask that as we read words of instruction, words of wisdom from your word, from the Father of Proverbs, as you would give it to your people, you are our Father, and and truly you are the Father who gives us instruction. And may we receive it as such and bless it. May may we learn how to seek wisdom and, and, and learn what the requirements are, and may we follow it ferociously that we would find it. We ask this in your name. Amen. Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. 
For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with, with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Thus sends these words of wisdom from the father of Proverbs, from the father of wisdom himself. People of God, it was the poet William Wordsworth who said, Wisdom is oftentimes nearer when we stoop than when we soar. Wisdom is oftentimes nearer when we stoop than when we soar. I believe that is a true statement. I think that's a wise saying in and of itself, and, and I believe that is what is being presented here in Proverbs 4 in this way. And, and again, I, I direct this especially to you young people, especially to you who, who, who stand at a place in time where you, you begin to make decisions for yourself, you begin to, to forge a path for yourself, and what path will you choose? And I want this, this quote, more the text, obviously, but this quote to, to, to prick that interest and raise that, that question in your own minds. Which way will you follow? The way of stooping humility before God, before your Father, even, or a soaring that, that says that you know best or you will forge your own way. You will not follow the, the tested path of your, your parents and the generations before and you will forge your own way. You see, wisdom takes humility. Wisdom takes a stooping. A stooping, in one sense, very tangibly before your parents. Those God has given you. That you would, you would stoop before them. That you would hear as the Father is saying all these instructions. Listen to my words. Hear them. Listen to the instruction of your parents. Now, we could broaden this out of, of your spiritual mothers and fathers, of those in the faith who are, who are looking upon their life, who have known God's word and are teaching you. Listen to them. Be humble and follow them. Now, that's on a earthly level that's on this, this tangible earth, but, but the greater truth, the deep truth that this is presenting is that you would do that to God and his word, that you stoop before it, that you humble yourself before it, and I promise you, although I should rephrase that, my promise means nothing, but God, God promises you that in following this way, you are following the way of life. And even as we read it, all these glorious sayings, if you follow the way of God's word and the wisdom even here in this chapter, you will not stoop, you will not stumble, you will not fall down in your path. You will be protected, you have the way of life, you will have, you have a blessed life, you will have a longevity in your life, you will be a blessing to those around you, you will be protected from the way of wickedness. So incline your hearts, listen to God's word. What he says, 
We live in an age where the wise are few and far between. And I would pray that all of us here who are listening to to these messages in Proverbs would have in their hearts a fire stoked, a, a deep craving for wisdom, a deep craving to know that in the way of God there are answers and there's a right path. It's a superior way. And that you would crave it with all your heart. It's interesting that the the father of Proverbs here sets up wisdom to his son almost like a wonderful, suitable mate. Like like his son needs to marry this woman. That's that's somewhat of the imagery there, and, and we can take that up ourselves and say, you need to pursue wisdom as you would a suitable spouse, a wonderful spouse. That you would look upon her, that you would look upon this spouse, or for you women, that you would look upon, that you can take that illustration and move it to you, you look upon a suitable man, this wisdom, this character of wisdom, that you would desire this spouse, and that there would be excitement there, that, that the thought you could even obtain this spouse. And that as you would love wisdom, as you would pursue wisdom, you would gain this wisdom. And that as well, there would be a nervousness in you, a sort of nervousness that says, but what if I, what if I didn't get this person? What if I lost it? What if I, what if I messed it up? What if I didn't follow it? And there would be a, an excitement, yet a nervousness to pursue this way. And that's what the father of Proverbs is saying to his son. Cleave to this woman, to this lady wisdom. Know her beyond anyone else. And and this makes sense because as Proverbs will continue, it will shift into a a woman to avoid, a woman of of lust and adultery. And, And so what's being set up here is the father saying, choose this one, not that one. Choose the way of wisdom. So we want to look how to do that using chapter 4 today as a a, a barometer, a a study guide for how do we obtain this wisdom. Even though I'm not going to use this breakdown for our points, I did want to provide a breakdown of this chapter just so that we could see the flow of thought. In verses 1 through 9, you see that wisdom is passed down through family. Uh, Broaden that understanding to know the the, the family that it's passing down through is the people of God, is is the covenant community, and is the way of God's word and scripture. That's that's especially what's being presented. And then the the accompanying call to that would be to seek it and love it. And that's what you see in the, the first nine verses. In verses 10 through 19, you see wisdom teaches the difference between wicked and righteous people to, to discern the difference between what is right and what is poor And then it would be the accompanying call to choose that way instead of the way of wickedness. And then in verses 20 through 27, we see that wisdom is is the path for righteousness and that you would concentrate on it. No single proverb tells the whole story. In fact, a proverb is often designed to get at a particular truth, but it's dependent upon circumstances and situations where you would know how to act. And and I want to put this before us, even before we go through these requirements. I want us to think of the six requirements that we will go through this morning as tools in a toolbox, as a way in which you would understand what you do to gain this wisdom, and that with the gaining of this wisdom will will require understanding in all all of its different forms and ways. Let's use that illustration of a toolbox or a fishing tackle box, something like that, you would be a very poor carpenter if if you'd only take a chisel out and ever use that as your one tool. You'd be a very poor fisherman if you only had one lure that you would take out, and, and that's what you tried to use for all the different types of fish. You'd be very poor in these 
vocations. Well, the same is true of wisdom. You're going to be very poor in wisdom, very unwise, unless you understand that, that to gain wisdom will require a full knowledge of God's word, a stockpile of understanding of the narratives, of the psalms, of the wisdom literature, of the prophecies, and how they connect, and, and what Proverbs is itself, that you would be better able to reach into the toolbox and take out the appropriate tool for the appropriate situation, for the appropriate time. And that's what we do when we are looking for wisdom. But it takes these following requirements. First, the first requirement that we're going to look at is study. Wisdom requires study. It requires understanding. What is the Father in this chapter continually saying? Listen to my words. Follow them. Obey them. And that's the same exhortation. That's the same command given to us. Listen and know the words. Study it. Understand it. As I said already, wisdom and those who are wise are few and far between. And what's incredibly sad is that it seems like throughout church history, going all the way back, the, those who were wise and knowledgeable in God's word were by far the exception and not the rule. That's, that's incredibly sad. Ignorance to God's word, ignorance to what we claim to know as the words of life, seems to just flow so naturally. Would we understand God's word? Do we know it? What will it take? takes study. And I, and I use the term study to, to even give us a different vantage point than even just devotions. And, and I'm not trying to say devotions aren't part of it. They are, they are necessary, a central part of this. But we, we tend to, to look at devotions as that short time that we can gain to then sit personally and reflect upon God. And that's absolutely necessary, as I said. But I phrase it as study because to, to truly be wise, it takes far more than, than that alone. In school, we, 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 we study math and we study chemistry. And, and, it, and it's not just like you're doing, oh, you're doing some devotions in it. It's not just like you have, have a little bit of time and, and you'll hope to glean some information there. No, it's a full-fledged, it's a full-fledged course. And you take your mind and you systematically approach it and you study it and you learn the ins and outs of all that math has to say, all that that subject has to say. You're tested on it. You're examined on it. What about God's Word? Do we study His Word? Do we know it? Would we approach a systematic understanding of His Word like we would to any one of our other courses? or even hobbies. You know, fundamental to wisdom is knowledge. We know by now, as we've gone through Proverbs, that's not it. That's not all of it. But it's necessary to it. You cannot be wise if you have not studied and know God's word. It's as simple as that. The father of Proverbs is saying, heed it, know it, listen to it, devote yourself to it. Are you devoted to, to studying it? Are there things that you can do in your life that, that would increase your wisdom? And we know there are. 
A lot of a lot of us. This this might apply more to those of us who can drive for obvious reasons. Many of us like to listen to audiobooks, listen to podcasts on our drives. Could you listen to other things? Could you listen to sermons? If you like audiobooks, could you listen to a book that was deeper, that a book was on spiritual matters that would force you into that in depth study? Could you replace time that was, that was worthless before with time that is well spent? Could we take time to read? To read a book? Put that before us. As a family, could we take time for, for a night in the week to even spend a half hour and, I don't know, go through a, a Ligonier teaching series for a bit of time? These are just examples that we could do, but would we do that? Would we study God's Word? Would we know it? And and again, there's promises attached to God's word. If you seek God, you will find him. That's what God says. If you ask for wisdom, he will give it to you. Study it and know it. That's how you will be a blessing. That's how you'll be a master, and I don't say that lightly, a master at, at life. We have plenty of examples in those in the world who, who are novices at life novices at what they should choose and what they should avoid and what steps they should take or what counsel they can give and most of it is bad most of the counsel boys and girls you will receive most of what your your friends and and peers might tell you is is the wrong thing and how would you know that be devoted to god's word to study it fathers for those who will become fathers, for those who are young, for those who are just married, what are you doing? Are you pursuing God and the study of his word that you would be able to lead your wife, that you would be able to govern your home, that you would be able to be there for your kids and to present not only an example of wisdom, but knowledge? It takes study. Notice, wisdom requires this, this nourishment. Look at verse 17 and compare that to the actions that, that flow from this. It's, it's eating this bread. Eating this will give to you these things. Eating the bread of wickedness and drinking the wine of violence is going to produce wickedness and violence. If you feed that, if you feed these things, that's what's going to happen. You're going to become what you eat. Do you know that? You will become what you eat. And if you eat selfishness, or if you eat greed, you will be greedy, and you will be selfish. But the flip side is too, true, too. Verses 20 through 23 would illustrate this. If you devour, if you eat what is right and good, you will become right and good. If you pursue God, if you have in your heart a desire to know him, and you throw yourself in that study, you will know him. You will eat that. You will know it. Fill yourselves up with material that extols the greatness of God, and guess what will happen? You will be one who lives extolling God. And it will it'll just flow from, from every fiber of your being and from your actions. It will protect you in ways you can't even understand now. It would, it's almost like a sense as you draw near to God that, that you will be adept at avoiding pitfalls and choosing what's right. Wisdom protects you. And I put no qualifier on that. God doesn't put a qualifier on that. Wisdom protects you. Know it. So that's the first requirement that we look at this, this morning. Wisdom requires study. Second, wisdom requires choosing good and rejecting evil. 
It requires to, to take what you know and put it into practice. It requires you live a godly life. It's not enough to be a student of God's word and then live like a pagan. That's not going to work. You will be putting before yourselves insurmountable barriers to wisdom if you go out and choose what is wicked and poor. The, the influence of sin will, will undercut all other measures. It will take you down. It will tear you down if you pursue sin. You cannot gain wisdom by pursuing wickedness. You must pursue good and what is right. Jesus said in John four thirty four, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus' food, his nourishment, was to do good, to do what God had said. And as we do that, as you seek to do good and, and, and actually perform that, you gain in wisdom. Wisdom is something that's gained even through your obedience. And it must be gained through your obedience. Proverbs 31.27, remember Proverbs 31 presents that picture of an ideal wife, of the one that the, the son is to look for, for his mate, and in that, in that chapter, verse 27 says this of, of this woman, that she does not eat the bread of idleness. That's just one place of many where you see that, that there's choosing of good. It's, it's not eating what is poor. It's not choosing what is wicked. It's choosing what is good. And this produces a wise life and a wise response. One commentator said this, Our spiritual food and drink, both good and bad, is thus any cultural product that shapes and fills our inward self. Listen to this. Whether music, speech, film, literature, advertisements, ur urban architecture, or the daily experience of commuting in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, Americans need only to turn on the TV or radio to be flooded with the wine of violence and stuffed with the bread of wickedness. Christian folk need to turn away from junk food for the soul and cultivate space and time for ruminating, studying on whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise. That's Philippians 4. Cultivate what is good, choose what is good, reject what is evil, and it takes work. But with it comes wisdom and understanding. Wisdom meaning meaning not just knowledge, but a walk with God, a strong walk with Him. So wisdom requires study. Wisdom requires choosing good, rejecting evil. Third, wisdom requires experience. Experience. This is related to the previous point. That as you walk upon what is good, as you put to practice understanding and the knowledge of God's Word, you gain in your skills at it. Wisdom is, is like anything else. It's something that must take work and practice. If you're, again, we'll use that illustration of, of the toolbox or the tackle box for fishing, you're not going to be an expert at it as soon as you open it. And it's going to take time with each of the tools, with, with each of the lures that are in the box. And, and it takes time to learn how they work and their intricacies. It takes experience and, and, and actually taking them up in your hand. It, and this is the difference between the first point of requirement for wisdom and study. You not only have to study it, you've got to go do it. You've got to experience it. And you, you will grow as you experience and put it into practice. As you see, you know, when I chose wickedness, it produced, produced a, a horrible life. It produced fruit that was contrary to God. It, 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 it devoured my relationship with him, but when I chose good, I drew near. 
It's looking at your experiences with an eye of wisdom and to see, you know, this was a difficult time I went through. God put me through a lot, but I grew closer to him. What does that mean about trials? Proverbs, rightly so, is, is often compared to like a hard candy. What do you do? You, especially young kids, you give them the candy and, and you, 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 well, okay, now I'm giving the opposite illustration. Young kids, you want them to crack it, okay? So maybe not that. That's not a good illustration, but the hard candy is, is one that should be sucked on. It should be one that, that's left in the mouth. You don't just want to take it and, and bite through it. You, you don't just want to crack it as soon as it's put in your mouth. You savor it. You spend time on it. And that's what wisdom is like. That's what Proverbs is like. That's what following God's word is like. You place it in your mouth and you slowly digest it. You're thinking of it from all the angles and, and, and vantage points. What does this mean? How is this applied? It's experience. Not all opportunities in which you can learn need to be significant either. What, what do I mean? I mean, you can learn these things through what we might think would be insignificant situations. You could learn to apply God's word and wisdom to, to areas that are small. You can learn hard work and, and serving the Lord through the chores that you do. You could learn how to trust in the Lord through, for, through minor things that are causing you stress. You know, how does, boys and girls, if you're worried about a test, and you're really anxious about schoolwork or something like that, you would be wise to then ask yourself, what, what, what does God's word mean then for me in this? I'm really worried about this test. I'm really worried about what that might mean. Well, God is in control. I know it. I know that, that he blesses the work that I do, and all I can do is devote myself to it, to do my best, and whatever grade I get is his will, and it's good. And, and, and to put your strength in that then, in, in him and who he is and providence. Now, now, in one hand, it's just a math test, right? It's just this small thing. But it's wise to take advantage of all those experiences. You could be worried about a trip, a family trip, and, and the travel there. How is this going to go? How is it going to be with young kids? How are they going to be in the car? And be very stressed about this. Again, on the, on the surface, this is a very minor thing. We, it, we might think it's so minor that we would just ignore that. Just kind of let that stress be there. It's so small, right? Take wisdom's path and say, well, what does this mean? What, 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 does, what is who God is? How does that affect my trip? And what happens with the kids? And what might happen on the journey and the way? It's experience. It's having an eye to experience all of life with that wisdom. And, and I tell you this, that boys and girls, you can learn this in, in really profound, big ways with what you're going through right now. And as you continue to do this, you will only cultivate more and more wisdom, more and more mastery of wisdom's path to know how to follow the Lord, to please him. Fourth, wisdom requires advice. Wisdom requires advice. In this chapter, the father is clearly the advisor. The father is explaining and passing down the wisdom of generations to generations, what is tried and tested and true, what he himself learned from his mother and father, he is now passing on. Now again, this, this not only contains just, just good insight and wisdom, yes, but this is in a covenant context. It's in a scripture context that what the father and mother are passing down is wisdom from life past, forged in and through God's word, now applied to their kids. 
now applied to those who follow them. So it was taking all the experiences that life can give to you, and one lived it and learned it through God's word and is now passing it on. You will not be wise unless you take advice. It's impossible. And one of the wisest things you can do is to seek counsel and to seek advice. You will, you will be protected from so many failures you could otherwise commit. I know in my own life, it was the influence of parents and siblings, of professors and teachers that allowed me to, to avoid many things that I would have fallen into because you take their advice. And that's true in God's church of all of us. Seek wise advisors. Listen to their counsel. They are those who have, have taken that tackle box and opened it. They've used all the lures. They've used all of the, the, the various ways and know where to go to catch the fish. So you listen to the advice of a wise fisherman, of one who has experience. You are to listen to wise saints, to their advice, to what they've learned. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Do you want your life and your plans to succeed? Well, seek wise counsel. This is like the, that quote we began with, it takes stooping. It takes a recognition of humility. It's wise to be able to know that you don't know. And then it's wise to be able to overcome ignorance. To be able to say, I don't know that path, so how do I find the right one? Well, I will seek counsel and advice. I will study God's word. Every one of the requirements we're going through is something that should be applied in the long term and is something that can be applied in an immediate decision that must be made or an immediate conflict facing your life. Go through these steps. Go through these requirements. That's what the father of Proverbs is doing for his son right now. Parents, this can be done in your every opportunity that you can make with your kids to take the opportunity I know I'm in large part addressing young people, but, but apply this to your own life. You can take the role of the, the father of Proverbs as, as mother and father yourself. You are to be their advisors. You, you don't need their permission. God is telling you to advise them, and you should. And this means take the opportunities that you're presented with. You know, you're, you're watching a, a, something on TV and, and you see something troubling. You're with your kids and, and you see a character make a, a wrong decision. Should you pause it maybe and say, now what could that character, even the main character, have done that would have avoided that? Or, or what did that character, character do that was wrong? What path would have been better? Better. You know, obviously, you, you, every one of us reads Lord of the Rings every year, or we should. You know, you'd be able to, to read that and say, now, did you see what Frodo or Aragorn did there, and was that wise? Was that good? What could they have done better? Again, this is just, this is just an example of what we might do, but this is how we apply this and how we walk. Don't, don't let life sweep you by. There's a wise way. One author says it this way, We all are constantly placed before choices or steps that eventually shape paths, patterns, habits, a way of life, a form of culture that settles into character. And he gives this illustration, It's like the footpaths that cut across campus greens. Such paths are formed over time by the steps of many generations, each person on a smaller scale pursuing the goal of wisdom or unwitting folly. The steps we make and the paths we take depend not only on what you have inherited, but also on where we want to go. 
You set your direction where you want to go and you follow the path that was set before you. You follow the way of wisdom. One caution, though, and this is very important, not all advice is good advice. Not all counselors are good counselors. You don't just turn to, to who it might be most convenient necessarily. I would give a strong caution, you'll hear more about this tonight, from turning to your peers, which isn't to say you can't have very good friends, even wise friends. And that's not to, to, to reject that. And to those you turn, to those you do gain their advice, but on a whole, that doesn't mean you just turn to those who have the same experience you do or in the same life situation as you this also does apply to families, too. Not, not all parents are worthy of, of giving good advice. Not all parents have lived godly lives. Not all parents are Christians. You may have grown up in a home where that is the case. And, and surely then that means, yes, you will have to look for advice elsewhere. You have to be wise enough to know where to seek it. So where do you go? You go to the father of Proverbs. You go to one who's lived a righteous life, who's knowledgeable one who you've seen has, has produced good fruit because as you're looking for advisors, especially look for these things. Understanding, but a godly life. And I would even stress godly life higher there. And why would I say that? Because if you truly are living a godly life, you have understanding. But if you only have understanding, there are plenty of those who have scholarly understanding of God's word, but not an ounce of true wisdom in them. So you seek both. You seek those who could be a spiritual mother or father. Seek advice and take your time. Be patient. And don't just take any advice you receive and say that must be it. You weigh it against God's word. That's that study. It's that devotion and knowledge. This is why as a church, we ought to be educating ourselves, that we would have strong office bearers, that we are, are educating them well in wisdom and truth. It's, it's also true that we would be able to understand who among us are wise. Who needs a spiritual mother? Are there, are, do we know those in the church that we would be able to say, this person would be a great counselor for a young woman and for a, a young man the same? Where, where can we bring them and, and, and provide for them advice and counsel that they might be lacking? Be very clear and careful about the advice you do receive. Weigh it against God's word. Not all advisors are good, and, and faulty advice has caused the calamity of many. So choose good advisors. Fifth, wisdom requires prayer. Wisdom requires prayer. The father is telling the son to gain wisdom above all else. Notice that he even says this. The path of wisdom is this, to get wisdom. That's how strongly he's stressing it. It's, it's so important, and you want wisdom, gain wisdom. That's central. Now, all of these things could weigh very heavy on us. They could be crushing to us, and we think, how, in, how will I ever get these things? And this would be a burden far beyond us if it wasn't for what Proverbs has said as well, that wisdom comes from God, and wisdom is a gift. And he gives it to those who stoop before him. And what you gain is an understanding and all of these blessings, but it does come through prayer. You will not gain wisdom without prayer. What does James 1, 5 say? James, remember, is often considered uh, the wisdom book of the New Testament. James says in 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. I pause on that. It will be given him. 
Ask the Lord for wisdom, and he will give it. He continues, but let him ask in faith. There's a manner in which we ask, it's in faith. And that means you're actually in a good position if you are desiring wisdom but realizing you can't obtain it because it means you're right at the position to ask in faith. But that also implies a trust that you will get it, that you don't doubt. So that's what he says. Ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And what this doubt would be is, is doubt that God can provide it and doubt that this is the right way. And, and that type of doubt would, would take and suck all the faith out of it. It would mean you haven't truly set your way on the way of wisdom, but you are to ask in faith and in trust that God will give the wisdom that he has promised to give. And that relieves a lot of burden. You know, so central to wisdom is this. You, could, you can lack in perhaps understanding that you should have cultivated. You might not have a lot of experience. Maybe you don't even have a lot of advisors around you, but you have prayer and you have God and he provides. Which isn't saying you can not put effort into it, but what it's saying is your efforts will be blessed and rewarded, that God will even give the means that you need to seek. Sometimes it takes that, to ask for an advisor from God and, and wise counselors, to have an eye to see it. Asking for resources to know and to study. And, and as you put that before God in prayer, not only is, is it put before God, he answers it by now putting it back on you and, and providing and bringing you to it or putting it in your mind that now you will seek it and you have an eye to find it. He gives wisdom for all it takes prayer I would challenge all of you, especially you young people, make requests for wisdom, regular parts of your prayer. Pray for it and seek it. Ask for it. Is that within all of our prayers, prayers that we might be wise and know the way of God? Now finally, sixth and most important, wisdom requires Christ. Wisdom requires Christ. As one commentator said, Christ is the wisdom of God revealed in the person of Jesus. So the getting of wisdom and the knowing of God in Christ are inseparable. I want to reread that. The getting of wisdom and the knowing of God in Christ are inseparable. Meaning this, you will not get wisdom and you will not know God if it's not in and through Christ. And as your relationship with Christ is sought and grows, it is undeniable that your wisdom will grow as well. The two cannot be separated. They're inseparable. And it fulfills the sense of Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is not just what Proverbs says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in various verses says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Christ is there called the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians 28-31, through 31, it says, God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. What it's saying, what God is saying, is that the central hub, the central aspect of wisdom itself is Christ. He is the wisdom of God, and as Corinthians says, he's become for us the wisdom of God. And what this means is that as you place your faith in him, as you trust in him, you are automatically placed in the wise camp 
There, there, there's two camps in the world. There are the fools who don't know God, and there are the wise who do know God. And it is only in Christ that you will, and as you cling to Christ and grasp onto him, you've made the wisest of decisions, you've made the central decision, and you've grasped onto the, the very source and fountain of wisdom itself. And in knowing him, you will be wise. You see how inseparable it is. You can't know all the principles of Proverbs, and you can't try to put it into practice without knowing Christ. It cannot be done, and you will fail in that endeavor, so you will be a fool. The only way to wisdom is through that walk with Christ. And so, young people, as you're sitting here and thinking of these requirements, as you're thinking of, well, then, how do I gain wisdom? I put this front and center you're pursuing Christ. You're pursuing a walk with him and a love for him. And it's in that pursuit that wisdom is gained. Because as you're pursuing Christ, you will study about him. As you're pursuing Christ, you will choose the good and reject the evil. As you're pursuing Christ, you will experience him and put these experiences into practice. As you're pursuing Christ, you will be drawn to godly saints who are seeking him as well, and you will heed their counsel. As you're pursuing Christ, you will pray and seek him and seek to know him, and to know him is to gain wisdom. People of God, it's nothing more than knowing Christ, and your relationship with Christ is that feeding tube of wisdom itself. We began with that quote, you, you gain wisdom more by stooping than soaring, but I, I want to adjust that quote here at the end. Wisdom is gained by stooping, but wisdom that is gained in Christ causes soaring. It's a humility unto exaltation. It's a humility in Christ that results in glory and praise. Children of God, won't you pursue Wisdom, won't you pursue him? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we would be those to, to seek the ways of wisdom and that you would grant it to us. And we, we make this request, not doubting, but in trust and in faith, knowing that you will give to those who ask the wisdom in Christ himself. And we pray that you would give to us the abilities and the times to study and to put that in practice in our lives and in our homes. That you would provide counselors that we need and the experience and time that it takes to, to grow in it. That you would give to us a prayer life that does seek wisdom and that it's a regular aspect of it. And all of this is just a pursuit of Christ himself. Lord, grant us Christ. Grant us what is the incarnation of wisdom. We ask this in your name.